Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. You know, uh, as I come to share this uh, word tonight, I, uh, I started this morning's message out of Isaiah 54, which is a guiding verse for our church, which begins by saying, enlarge the place of your tent because you will expand. And uh, that is what Vision Builders is all about. And that's what the title of these two weeks of messages, Grand Design, is about the purpose of God in that expansion. Why would God want to keep on getting there? Why does he want to keep on enlarging? But that enlargement begins down on the inside of you and me. I would never be doing this unless I had met Christ. I would probably be still living in a small little town in New Zealand, maybe being a postman or a paper boy. But God puts a vision inside your head that you can't believe he's asking you to do. And you step out towards it and suddenly it's happening at all kinds of levels. And all he's looking for is people who will make him Lord so that he can actually guide you to do things that you will do. And you, I mean, anybody's life is going to be absolutely magnified by the presence of Jesus on the inside of you. None of us. Once you've stepped out and following Christ, none of us would imagine that we would actually start to do some of the things that we, we do when we're following him. And so when he says enlarge the place of your tent, he's not just talking to us as a church. He's talking to you and I as individuals. And when he says you shall expand, it's not like, oh, yeah, it's, we really believe that God's expanding us and he's anointed us and we feel that this is a season of growth. And you hear all these very Christianese cliches, but honestly, folks, uh, I don't need to feel like we're growing. You and I have gone up a level in the last six months. We went from the Darling Harbour Convention Center to the Entertainment Center, for goodness sake. We went from a three and a half thousand seat auditorium to a 12,000 seat auditorium. And without any apology, we just, you know, saw the place get packed out. Day after day after day. I mean, admittedly, we had hived off some of the seating, but still taking that step and finding ourselves actually managing it. All the teams were stretched a little, but they were right up for the job. Maybe we couldn't have taken the jump from Windbourne Estate and Brookvale all the way to the Entertainment Center, you know, because we just weren't built for it. But gradually, as you keep growing, you will find yourself expanding. Now, in Hebrews, it says, those we are not those who shrink back to destruction. When you, when you don't go forward, you immediately start moving backwards. And when you move backwards, you get smaller in size. And you're not moving towards safety, you're moving towards destruction. I was watching some of these guys riding those big waves. Uh, I mean, they are monsters. There's one guy there riding like a 90 to 100 foot wave uh, on one of those YouTube things. And when you're on a big wave, and I've been on a few when I was a lot younger, and you, you get this thinking, it's going to be safer to jump off than to stay on. But you're wrong. It's safer to stay on. You get off that way, you get out to the shoulder. And I was in Fiji at a place called Cloudbreak, which is a very big wave. One of, the, one of these YouTube waves is showing like these guys on there, and Mark and I and Josh and Joseph uh, my son, we're, we're out there on a little safari that we decided to do, dads and sons. <clears throat> and so we're out there, and the waves got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I would, I would start to, 
I'd never been in surf that got bigger as you just sat out there. I took off on one and I looked down and like you could see the bottom at the bottom of the wave. So it's like two foot deep. And I'm looking at that and I'm 10 foot up in the air and I kept pulling out. I'd pull out and I'd go to to the back because on that particular island, the owner of the island owns the wave, owns the break. And if you drop in on anybody, he'll come out there with a shotgun on the back of his jet ski and shoot you off the island because he's protecting the wave for all the old timers who would come along and, and he made sure you all queued up for your wave and you took off and, uh, and nobody could snake in behind you and steal your wave. So it was all kind of cool. You know, you didn't have to get in any aggressive situations. And, uh, and so, so, but if, if you pulled off the wave, you had to really go back to the back of the line. So I was, I was quite happy about that. I kept going to the back of the line. By the time, and there's only like 10 surfers there. So by the time you're, it had gone up a little more. And, and so uh, Joe says, go, Dad. Just don't, don't be a girl. Uh, just, just go. And, and I go, oh. And so finally I, I, I let myself go over there. And I just went down and I looked. I looked for like 100 meters. I'd never been on a wave like this. 100 meters, the wall is like straight up and it's feathering. I go, no, today I'm going to die. And I crouch down and I close my eyes. I close my eyes. I, ah! I'm screaming along this wave. I do not know how I got to the other end, but I come, whoa, out over the top at the, at the shoulder. And they're all going, whoa, pops. <laughs> I, won't, I won't show you what. My hand did right then, amen. But I said, what, Pops, I'm, I'm one of you guys. He said, no, you're Pops. And, uh, and I thought, I, I felt, yeah, I, I did that easy. You know, that's good. Yeah, I think I'll go in now. Yeah. <laughs> and there's Joe and, and Josh still out there. I think even Mark came in after a while. He's jo- Joe, Josh, he doesn't want to admit it. And we're still out there. And they're still out there tucking in at the top of the wave and getting these huge barrels, you know. But. I don't know how I got talking about that. Here's the thing. Here's the deal. You're safer to stay on the board, not to jump off. And you're safer to stay in the vision. And when God starts enlarging you and taking you into the land, stay on the board. Don't jump off. Take the giant. Amen. And you'll get bigger and you'll move forward. And you'll move towards blessing, not destruction. That's the, that's the equation that the scripture gives us. Now, the pathway in and where we are going on this, on this grand design that God has for us is a fulfillment of a dream that's in our lives. And I want to start this, this uh, message here tonight uh, out of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, and give you three translations. Uh, put God in charge of your work, then what you've planned will take place. Another translation says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And the last one is commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. So here's the thing. When, when you and I start out in life, a lot of us have dreams in our mind of, uh, uh, and they apply to our kind of lifestyle. When you're young, you're dreaming of your new surfboard. When you get a little older, you're dreaming of your dream car. And then you're dreaming of your dream wife. And then you get married and you're dreaming about your dream house. 
And you dream together. Oh, we like this. And wouldn't it be awesome to have that? And it'd be amazing to have this. And you go and see other people's homes or you look around. And, and you have this idea of what your dream house would be like. Kind of like your dream life. This is what my dream life would be like. And, and I've met people, uh, sadly, in their 60s who say, my life has not worked out like I wanted it to. It's, it's not, nothing like I thought it would be. I dreamed a dream, and, and now it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's a mess. And, and I think, my Lord, my life is like a thousand times better than I ever thought it would have been or could have been, in all honesty. I mean, I wasn't trying to have a... An, a visions of aggrandizement about what, what it's all going to be. And if you did, you kind of half believed that that could happen. But, but to, to know what is the difference between that? Well, I guess the difference is not just knowing Christ as your Savior, but actually making Him your Lord. Uh, you know, because as your Savior, he's, you're, you're still in control. And you might mess up your life, and you say, oh, save me, God. He says, yeah, okay, I'll save you. But when he's Lord, you, you commit your work to the Lord. Like we've just read in these scriptures, you make him Lord. You say, God, should I do this? God, guide my, my steps. And if I put a step wrong, could you correct me? So I'll take the step back, and I'll get back to that fork in the road, and I'll make the right decision, and I'll get it correct. And you'll redeem me. And so I really want to surrender the direction of my life to you. And so when you've got a dream house, a dream in your mind, you, you put your plans in the hand of an architect and a builder. You're not, unless you are an architect or a builder, but most of us, 99% of us in a room, we're not architects. We don't know where the plumbing should go or how the wiring should be set up or whether the roof should go on and then the windows go in or the... We don't know where to get the wood from. We don't have the connections. We don't know who the subcontractors are. We don't know who the good guys are. The, you know, the, the not so good. And, we, you know, it's like we haven't got all that, all that skill or experience. We might be, we're, we're doing another job. And certainly we can't put it all together and pour the concrete. But, but some of us actually think we can. Some of us think we can. So we're the DIY guys. We're the do-it-yourself, you know, and... And this is what a do-it-yourself home ends up looking like. <laughs> and you know, that kind of reminds me maybe of some people's lives where they thought, I'm going to do it myself. I'm not, I'm not, why would I let a pastor tell me what, you know, I should do? Why, why would I listen to my father and my mother about who I should marry? I know what I'm going to do. And the trouble is you don't. None of us do. We're all lost without the guidance that God can give us. He's the light of the world. If you follow me, not follow yourself, if you follow me. And that's not a generalized, vague statement, just sort of like a philosophical thing, oh, if I follow his teachings. No, if you follow him, he's walking into particular situations. I followed with my wife. We followed him to Sydney. He, was, he led us here, and he led us to the northern beaches. And I remember driving over Beacon Hill and the anointing. I said to Chris, I feel the anointing right here. And God, he walked, we followed him here. Then we went, we came up to this property. We followed him here. He said, take this. And we had to fight for eight years to get approval for this. We, sometimes I doubted whether he had led us here. But 
always in the back of my heart. I thought, mm, this is it. Get, mm, yeah, this is it. Out of this place, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have been saved, trained for ministry, been reached through television. If you follow Jesus, He will lead you into your destiny, into your grand design. He has got a beautiful dream life for you. There are times when I haven't followed Jesus and ended up with a moment like that. But happily, he's not just a builder, he's a rebuilder. And then he, he, can, he can recover and reconstruct that. But that's when he becomes Savior again. If he was my Lord, I'd end up with a house that looks a little more like this. Amen. A grand design. You know, and you may like it, you may not, but anyway, it's better than the last one. It's standing up. It's making it. And the plain fact is that, that a do-it-yourself life is, is going to not work because we're not built to make our own lives. We're built by a creator. And that's, again, not just a philosophy. It's something that you actually do in life. As we come into this particular phase of our, of our church's history, you and I need to come to the Lord and say, what do you want me to do? This is the most exciting part of the Christian life. And the word exciting covers everything from completely nerve-wracking to happiness. Because the reason we don't submit ourselves to Him as our ruler. The reason we don't say, what do you think, Lord? Is because we're not sure if He's going to say yes or no. And we're a bit worried generally that He's going to say no. And we don't want Him to say no, so why ask? And we'd opt for the better to get forgiveness and permission. Well, that's when you're saying, I want Him as Savior and not as Lord. I want to get fixed up afterwards. I've made a mess. Then actually to not make the mess in the first place and to do something that doesn't waste my time, doesn't waste my life, doesn't waste my resources, doesn't make me end up like a, a, a train wreck in the middle of my life. But if I just bring my dream life to God and say, Lord, here's my dreams. It's up to you as the master architect as to how we're going to build this life but it's over to you. And I simply want to follow you. Now, here's the thing, guys. I'm, you know, I love our church and, and I really am not blinded by that love about the level of where you and I are at. And I honestly believe that I can preach a message like this to you and not end up with a lot of fruitcake Christians who are all going to hear from God and, you know, about this, that, and a thousand other things that there's a demon behind the pulpit and, you know, like, not talking about me. And, uh, and there's, you know, like, God is showing me that uh, that person's got a spirit of a winking eye or something like this, you know. <coughs> and I know you're laughing, but I've actually heard somebody say that. And... <laughs> And you're not going to be asking God, which side of, do you want me to part my hair this morning or what color? You know, I'm, I'm not talking really about that sort of thing. But I got to tell you that I, in a lot of areas of my world, I look to the Lord. And, and as soon as I do, I get answers. 
if I've got a clear relationship going on, if there's no big blockages or whatever, and, and it's just that look on the inside, you got a set of eyes on the inside of you, you got a set of ears that you got born again with. You got a duplicate set of faculties on the inside of your inner, called your inner man. And, and that inner man can know things that are beyond your understanding. You don't know why, you don't know how it's going to happen, but you know it. And it, the shape of that word comes into you in a second. Uh, every week, every week without a doubt, my calling is to preach this word, to bring the word of God into people's lives into our church's life. And because this message will go out to another 315 churches and beyond through podcasts and a lot of other people listening. So it becomes really, really important that I'm not just thinking, oh, I'd like to preach about that. I don't do that. I go, what's up, Lord? What do, what do you want me to, how am I meant to be, what? And then instantly, like that, bam, I know exactly. The whole thing is there. All I got to do is unpack it. And it's one of the most exciting Moments of every week, it happens around about Monday or Tuesday for, next, for the next Sunday. And I just spend the week praying and percolating that, distilling it in my soul. That's just, that's, that's one area. And then occasionally, uh, you know, uh, when we first started this church, everybody was, had small groups in their churches. I said, oh, let's have small groups. I went ahead and we had small groups. And the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I didn't tell you to have them. I said, oh, I, I thought it'd be good to have them. He said, stop them. I, I said, stop them? No, we've started them. He said, stop them. So I stopped them. And we had nine. I remember we had nine. I shut them all down. And we went back down to Oaks Avenue. And I did Bible studies for 18 months. I did the Book of Romans. I did the Lord's Prayer. I did Psalm. I can remember them. Uh, Ephesians 1 and 2. Went through those. Mark and Bernie were there every week. We had a Wednesday night Bible study. And then the Lord said, now, I want you to start doing this thing. And there have been people saying to me for a few years right now, we need to do this kind of campus model. And I've been going, oh, I'm not into it. I've learned somewhere down the line that it's not just about what you do do. It's about what you don't do. His no's, actually, I probably value the no's more than the yeses. Because the no's are the thing that's going to stop you getting into all kinds of problems and blocking the growth. And even though if somebody else is doing it and you really want to do it, but you got to know on the inside, don't do it. It's starting to sound like Jerry Seinfeld. You know, <laughs> don't do it. The deal, is, the deal is that you have to have this relationship with God where you have committed yourself to be guided by Him. As we come up to this event in a couple of weeks' time, I'd like to think that you and I can be guided by the Lord, that we're actually open to hearing from Him. Because i got to tell you, I, I, get, I get nervy about those, those sort of moments, and it never gets any better. Somebody was telling me just last night, because they've been in church for years, 20 years, and they were saying, oh, I got nervy. At presence, when I knew I was going to that thing, and you know, the miracle offering that God is able of, and then God spoke to me and touched me, and then suddenly I had all the business that covered everything in the next two weeks. And that's, that's it. You're never going to not feel tentative. If you did, you're still in your comfort zone. 
but you're going to feel like the Lord is calling you to do something. And if you're going to make him Lord, say, okay, God, whatever. When, when we first did this program many, many years ago, uh, called, it was totally different. And we would, did it all totally differently. Chris and I did exactly this. And oh, we so wished we hadn't. We said, Lord, what do you want to do? And he told us. We thought, oh, well, that was dumb. We should not have asked. Because he said like, uh, he said a huge amount, 120,000 over, uh, over three years. We thought, God, we've never even seen that much. But we said, okay, let's step out. Let's commit ourselves. And I said, I said to Chris, look, uh, the, the, the more stupid thing was, I said, how? How, can, how are we ever going to do that? I thought, I got him now. And uh, <laughs> he said, just give you a wage. I thought, oh, that is so ridiculous, you know, as if Chris is going to agree to that. So I went to Chris and I said, um, now, you know, this is the number I'm thinking, and this is the way I'm thinking. And she went and prayed about that. And as she's walking along the beach, she saw our wage packet. We used to get our wages in an orange envelope. And it went, boom, exploded. So she took that as a sign that it was yes. Ridiculous. And so she, she came back and she said, yeah, I'm in. Oh, goodness me. But you know, uh, for five years we lived like that and God looked after us every week. I found that the Lord was more generous even than the board. It was astonishing. As time passed, He, he provided for us. But if I just said, I'm going to do this and not even had that sense of guidance about it, that wouldn't have been provided for. But when you say, Lord, you really are going to guide us, that's when you will discover some of the most exciting opportunities that God's ever going to bring into your life when you're prepared to do what your Lord is calling you to do. Now, there are general areas of the will of God that are very clear. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Clear as a bell. It says, Rejoice, pray, give thanks, be a positive person. All of that. That's, that's awesome. And then uh, in 1 Th- uh, Thessalonians 4.3 this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That's clearly the will of God. You don't go, Lord, Lord is this your will? We can kind of sleep in the motel tonight. You know? What do you think, Lord? Is that you? No, you don't need to ask. It's there, clear, right there. Amen. And you don't need to ask God about a ton of things that are just obviously the will of God. But then there comes moments where you need to know, should I get involved in this business deal? Should I get involved with this partner? And this is what I'm asking you to do. Like just in a general sense, not even in the, in the vision builder's context, but in a, as a general believer, before you do things, stop and look to God and submit to Him. Say, what do you want me to do, Lord? Before you go and get a house in somewhere else because it's cheaper, stop. Say, Lord, should I do this? I know you've got a dream that you, you think that that's going to work out but I know so many people that that has not worked out for. I know some it has, but they would be better to look after their spiritual life for their entire family and rent a house down the road here that may be lesser than what they want because they're building a dream life built on good spiritual foundations. But to wander off and find that you're 
family don't, don't go anywhere and everything gets lost that you built up for so many years. It's a tragedy. And, and you know, sometimes uh, I, I've had somebody like a school teacher who gets all inspired, I want to start a landscape business because they just bought some palm trees and they like the look of them or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah, I really got excited. They said, Pastor, what do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I'm not sure that you should go ahead with that. And we don't like saying, no, thou shalt not do it. We don't sort of do it like that. We're not lords or dictators, but we, if we're saying anything lightly, you probably ought to take it with some weight because it's like we're not given to being of that nature. So, you know, but anyway, this guy went off and he, he, he spent his hundred grand, borrowed it from the bank and started the small business. Now in this area, on the northern beaches, there are tons of small businesses. After 10 years, only four out of every hundred startups are still going. That's a lot of money. That's 96% do not work. Little restaurants, little cafes, little landscape business, you know, all this kind. That, that's a lot of money that got loaned from the bank that is now having to get paid back from the earnings of another job. That's a lot of time spent getting through that kind of a mess. You know what I'm saying? How much smarter would it have been to say, what do you think, Lord? Should I do the landscape palm tree thing? You say, uh, uh, talk to Pastor Phil. Amen, you know. Talk to your pastor, you know. What, what are they? Get the counsel. Let somebody have some input into your world who, who kind of got an inkling about it. Because our, our ego and our self-will and our headstrongness, our presumption will take us into Mess after mess after mess. If we don't somewhere down the line stop and say, Lord, I want Jesus as the Lord of my life to guide me into my dream life. I don't want to have a house that looks like that at the end of my world. At the end of my, I want one that's standing upright and one that people can live in. And, uh, and so, you know, this, this guy did actually, he went out and did his landscape business, but all the palm trees died and nobody bought them. And, and he came back, he said, uh, he said, I said, come for coffee. I said, sure. He said, oh, it didn't work. You know. He said, what should I do now? I said, why would you be asking me? You're not going to do it. The only way I'll give you an answer is if you, you tell me you're going to do what I tell you. He says, well, what are you going to tell me? I said, no, no, no. I need you to tell me that you're going to do what I tell you. Well, I don't know what you're going to tell me, so I don't know if I'm going to agree yet. That's not how it works. You understand what I'm saying? That's the Lordship of Christ is about... It doesn't matter what he's going to tell you to do. You just make him Lord anyway. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient, you've got to trust him. He loves you. He's died for you. He's got holes in his hands. He's, he said, hey, you know, if I tell you something, it's only, it's only going to be for your good. It might seem hard and difficult and challenging. But listen to me. Now, I believe that David in the Old Testament, King David, was was loved by God because of that factor amongst a few others that is a worshiper and free spirit. But of all the things about David, he loved the house of God so that he could inquire in the temple. He says, God, I just want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of God and inquire in his temple. God is there so that you can approach him and receive from him guidance down on the inside of your soul. You know, uh, in Isaiah uh, uh, 1 Samuel 30 verse 1, it says, It happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day 
that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. And they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue the soup? This troop. <laughs> shall, I, shall I pursue this troop? <laughs> shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now, here's the picture. David's got five, six hundred soldiers, hard, bitten, strong, expert in war men. They went up to help the Philistines, but the Philistines said, we don't know about this guy. He might turn in battle against us if we're fighting the Israelites. Send him back. While they were away from their town called Ziklag, the Amalekites, which was typical of the Amalekites, they attacked when the defenses were down. They attacked Israel from the rear, where all the children and the women and the sickly people were as they came out of Egypt. And so God had made a covenant, I'll wipe these guys out. But they came up into Ziklag and attacked while all the soldiers were gone. They, they like, attacked like cowards. And they stole all the women and stole all the goods and all the children and everything. And they, they were gone. And so when David arrives back, the whole town is burned. All their fortunes have gone. All their families have, been, have gone. And so everybody is deeply distressed. Their whole world has fallen apart. Now, David has never lost a battle. At this point, he is... A giant slayer who has converted a group of ragtail men into an incredible guerrilla army. And he has never lost a battle. He is brilliant in war. The men are all very grieved and they want to kill him. They say, you have led us in a wrong way. You took us out of town and all our women have gone. And so they're ready to stone him to death. But it says, David... And, and it's, it's a horrible day when you're all on your own. I mean, this is one of the loneliest days of leadership you'll ever see. When his own faithful men turned on him, he looks down to ground, he just says, God, you're with me. Strengthen me. I'm, I'm going to make it through this. Somehow I'll get to the other side. And he starts speaking to his own soul. There's plenty of Psalms that speak like that. Oh, my soul, why are you disquieted within me? Why are you cast down? Rise up, for God will help you. So he knew how to do that to speak to his spirit. And he gets himself into a position of faith. Now at that point, in, in my mind, it would be so easy for a military expert, a man who's never lost a battle, to say, come on guys, let's get on our horses. Let's go after these Amalekites. We'll get it back. And just ride off with his 600 men ready to get revenge, to get all, all the things they'd lost. But he doesn't. He's ready to do it. He knows he could win, but he stops. And he says, Abiatha, bring that ephod over here. We're going to ask the Lord whether we should do this or not. Abiatha, the priest starts prophesying. He says, what should we do? He says, should I pursue? 
Should I do what I'm, meant, what I'm, gonna, what I'm planning on doing? I want to put my dream life in the architect's hands. I want to I submit myself to the guidance of God. What do you want, Lord? What would you like me to do? And at that point, Abiathar said, pursue. You shall surely recover all. So David said to his men, get on your horses, guys. We're going re- to recover everything. Half of them were too tired to travel. So only half the army went. As they went across a field, they found an Egyptian who was sick. The Amalekites had stolen him as a slave from one of the towns they'd been in. And because he was sick, they left him in the field to die. He hadn't eaten anything for, for three days, no water. And so David comes across him, recognizes that he's part of the marauding parties that have been taken out all these villages. But he shows him mercy, gives him water and gives him food. He says, hey, where are your, where, where's, your, where's your Amalekite army? He says, well, they're just over there. And he shows them. So David and his men come on that army. And here's the thing, friends. That army had been not just a Ziklag, but been to about 20 other towns and stolen all the fortunes and all the slaves and everybody else out of all those towns. When David came upon them and defeated them, he not only got back what he lost at Ziklag, he got back way more. His fortunes were turned completely around so that his worst day became the best day of his life for him and all his men because he had listened to God and done exactly what God had told him to do. So they beat their enemy. They got 10 times the amount of goods back. And on the way back, a lot of the rough guys, the tough guys who had managed to do the war, they, they came across these 300 who were too tired to keep on walking. And, and they said, oh, I guess these guys who stayed here, they, they're not going to get any of this because we are the ones who went to the battle. David says, no, we're going to share it with them as well. Those who stay by the stuff is just as important as the guys who go to the battle. I love that. I love it because David attributes to them something that they didn't even do. They were too tired to go on. But David says, no, these guys stayed behind and protected all our gear while we, while we went off to the battle. And, and that's like God attributing to you all sorts of things that you never even did. He will credit you with things like an entirely righteous life from Jesus himself, something you've never done. And you say, no, these guys weren't just tired and worn out and broken down. These are my righteous ones. Amen. These are the ones who've got the perfect life of Christ in them. It's an unbelievable moment. But here's the thing. You and I, You and I have got ahead of us the grand design of God's purposes. And each of us have got a part to play. And if we will look to the Lord, He will guide us. If you're a couple, as you look to the Lord together, if you're a single young person, older person, looking to God, He will guide you. And you will find that as you follow that guidance, miracles will happen. And even if it's been a bad day for you, it's going to get turned around into one of the best days of your life. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.